Let's just get right down to business. The Joe Roberts Show. This, this is The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. The Joe Roberts Show. On today's show, we have Eric Chan, the CEO of Injective Labs. Injective is a fully decentralized exchange that aims to unify the best from decentralized and centralized exchanges into a unique platform. Eric, thank you for joining us today. Why don't you tell more of our listeners about yourself? Thanks so much for having me. Hey, this is uh, Eric, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Injective Labs, a core contributor to the Injective Network. We always like to know, you know, what prompted the start of Injective? Is it something about your background? What was the initial problem you guys set out to solve? Yeah, it's actually quite an interesting journey for us because I personally started off being in a cross-section of cryptography research and also trading plus investing back in the day. And really one of the major pain points trying to interact with the crypto space was dealing with all of the exchanges in their infancy stages who not necessarily have the best setup for APIs or might have a lot of unfair practices. And so one of the ideas we had when we stumbled upon, you know, like a paper written by some of the professors uh, that I was working with was about, you know, removing front running and collision within a decentralized exchange space. And DEXs in general was definitely one of the most, well, at least personally speaking, one of my major interest areas. And so I thought that this could be something extremely innovative and kind of got into the drawing board after that because, you know, as a user, as a trader, I certainly have a lot of complaints, especially when it comes to, you know, back in the day, like whitelist IPs, you know, censorships and also, you know, unfair practices. And I was really excited to you know, build something that's decentralized, just like the digital asset space itself. For our listeners, can you kind of maybe break down front running and what that might all entail? Yeah. So the Injective Network certainly has evolved a lot since then. It's uh, you know expanding far beyond just uh, being an exchange. But the concept of front running is basically whenever there's an order or whenever there's a transaction, it's very likely that people can pay a higher gas price or a higher fee within Ethereum and get that transaction first, whether that be a trading opportunity, whether that be a transaction that could yield a certain profit. Right now, um, it's extremely rampant within uh, Ethereum. There's a lot of MDV bots, which is minor extractable value, trying to win over transaction that they saw within the Ethereum mempool and pending transactions to front run those transactions that may yield a profit. So got it. And so, I mean, most people would be willing to pay more on those gas fees so they could execute their trades faster. Maybe they win uh, an NFT mint of some sort. Is that an example? That's a really great example. And on top of that, there's an arbitrage opportunity. So people are bidding up and up and up, paying an exorbitant amount of gas fees in order to get priority and thereby causing you know the current state of Ethereum gas economy. All right, cool. So let's uh, let's maybe break down the company itself and how you guys are structured and where your headquarters. Yeah, so uh, Injective Lab is mainly a software development firm. It works on a lot of really interesting open source projects. Obviously, you know, it has a specific focus on you know, contributing to the Injective ecosystem, whether that be core development proposals and in general, working with the stakeholders of the network. So currently, Injective is a very, very decentralized and diverse community with a lot of different interests. And Injective Labs' role is to make the proper software contributions uh, and upgrades to make sure that the network can satisfy everyone's needs. Got it. And so currently, how many people are heading up the team and kind of managing all this? So currently, there's around 45 people over at Injective Labs spread across all over the world. I think most of the folks, um, it does have an HQ in New York, but 
half of the people are all over the world. Cool. And to let the listeners understand, can you give us some more background or just let's call it highlights about other people on the team and how they're driving the success of the project? Yeah, I think everyone on the Injective Labs team are absolutely uh, amazing, to say the least. First of all, you know, there's my co-founder of Injective Labs uh, and CTO, Albert, who used to be at Amazon and opened Zeppelin and decided to join with me on the journey pretty early on. On top of that, we have quite a few, you know, very impressive ARM heads are like leads, such as uh, Mirza, which is our BD lead, Maxim, which is our financial market lead, who managed to come up with a lot of really interesting financial modeling and strategies when it comes to evaluating which markets and what type of uh, mechanism for the core derivatives and spot mechanisms. And on top of that, there's, you know, product lead, which is Chris, and many, many more. It's awesome. I mean, obviously today... Uh... It's hard to find and attract and even just retain the right talent. You know, is there any you know, secret sauce that you guys have, you know, maybe used that is working? I think it's certainly a very, very competitive market. And we certainly have lost talents to other competing offers and other competing firms. But I think at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, not creating the most impressive comp package, but really aligning the mission and making sure that, you know, they really believe in what we do, because otherwise it's always going to be a race to the bottom game with, you know, all the other crypto companies and software companies. I agree. And uh, most importantly, I'm sure in order to pay everybody on the team, have you guys done any raises from any notable VCs in the past? Can you tell us more about your funding rounds? Yeah, there's been a few. I think currently uh, the major backers to date, or the most notable ones would be, you know, Binance, Pantera, and also Mark Cuban. Awesome. So <laughs> was that any type of strategic move on your part to bring Mark Cuban in or? Yeah, I think he just uh, liked what we were working on. And um, he certainly has a character and made quite a bit of a name for himself in the space. So I figured I just uh, brought him up. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and so let's roll into everyday a lot of projects are being launched in the space, right? I mean, there's a lot of capital being raised. Break down maybe who are your closest competitors and then what makes your edge different? I would say that, you know, like the problem folks at Injective Labs and the overall Injective ecosystem is trying to tackle is quite unique in the sense that, you know, it's a application focused or kind of like application specific chain that has a very native on-chain order book infrastructure along with the derivative infrastructure that can create all types of uh, financial instruments. And that's, you know, like very, very unique amongst all the participants in the space. But I would say, you know, zooming out a little bit and funny enough, CZ from Binance certainly talked about this as well. I think it's about taking the market share away for a little bit from the centralized giants. And also within the DeFi space, it's really about, you know, growing a bigger pie together uh, amongst, you know, other derivative platforms or other, you know, exchange focused uh, chains. And so how does Injective generate revenue? Yeah, in terms of lab, it's really about contributions and grants from like different foundations and so forth. For the ecosystem, it's really about, uh, you know, the fees and the transaction fees and the gas fees and so forth. And I think that's driving a lot of value. In terms of on-chain mechanics, there's also a really interesting component where in order to prevent manipulative behaviors, you know, a fee has to be charged on top of uh, every single trade. But in order for that to be distributed in a fair way, there's actually an ongoing weekly auction process where all the fee that went into an auction pool can be bought, essentially, by using the native token IJ. And this way, the proceeds will go to the highest bidder and the native token will simply be burnt to kind of counteract the inflationary force from the validators. What applications are people currently building on Injective? Yeah, there's actually quite a few interesting projects. 
you know, mainly at the moment surrounding uh, the exchange aspect and also, you know, what is enabled by having an on-chain order book and an on-chain mechanism. First of all, you know, like there's Injective Pro, which is developed by Injective Labs, which is kind of a standard professional interface where people can access uh, the breadth features offered by the Injective Chain. And it takes a pretty non impediente way in terms of conveying the information and making sure that the experience is as seamless as possible. But on top of that, you know, people can make a lot of really interesting twists and uh, takes on the, this user experience, one of which is uh, Picasso, where they basically took this entire infrastructure and turn it into a swap interface so it abstracts away a lot of complications while getting far superior slippage and also capital efficiency for a lot of the swapping needs like most of the DeFi users are used to. And on top of that, there's also a few, for example, FrontRunner, which is focusing on utilizing this infrastructure to build a sports betting and prediction market platform for people to be able to trade binary options and expiry futures. These are just the examples to list a few. There's also really interesting utilizations, um, I think, that Picasso is working on, which is creating a trading guild concept where people can share different access of uh, uh, trading permissions and so forth and allow other people to trade on someone's behalf, essentially enacting either copy trading or some sort of kind of like a friendly group where people can share access for you know, making a certain types of trade. And so what other use cases do you see that are coming down the road? There certainly is a lot. For example, we work with a lot of institutional market makers in terms of helping them understand about the space and helping them integrate with you know, the injected ecosystem. And one of the biggest pain points that we've noticed was having this kind of uh, different types of access to a single address or to a single account that they get to enjoy within a centralized platform. Essentially, there could be a trade-only API access or it could be you know, like a full permission API access where people can you know, withdraw, trade, and so forth. And one of the ways that we actually thought of addressing it and you know, one of the potential solutions for it is using an on-chain mechanism called Off-C. So essentially, this allows people to grant permission on a very, very specific transaction type to other people, to other addresses without worrying about you know, transaction preparation, you know, simulating transaction, or running into different types of on-chain issues. So essentially, this could be turned into a very robust API service where basically within a proprietary trading firm or within like a certain institution, most of the folks can grant access to different types of address, and these address will perform a certain targeted feature or a certain targeted action and still maintain a very, very robust security at the end of the day. Obviously, we're in kind of a multi-blockchain world today. And so from a support aspect, how do you guys see yourselves growing and adapting to that? Yeah, so Injective generally takes a pretty chain agnostic stance. It does have a native bridge from Ethereum to Injective that's fully decentralized. And I think, you know, the majority of our development work back in the day was definitely working on the security of the bridge and having that ironclad decentralization requirement for it. And on top of that, you know, injective chain is IBC compatible. And that means that this communication standard, as long as any chain adheres to it or integrates with it, can enjoy this kind of multi-chain world communication and also transfers. And on top of that, obviously, you know, at the moment, there are uh, more than 12 bridges alive from injected to other chains. And on top of that, basically, there's five more that are being worked on to connect with more and more ecosystems. And how does everyone ensure the security of the bridges? So that's actually the amazing part is that 
for the Ethereum 2 injective bridge is actually very, very unopinionated. It's backed by the validators uh, on top of injected network instead of by a set of trusted parties. So you can understand it as basically the chain is as secure as the bridge itself because the validators, if they notice something is going on, uh, uh, something is off, they can basically either submit you know, some form of a modification or basically not uh, accept a certain transaction to be transferred back to Ethereum or be deposited from Ethereum and credited. And I think that's absolutely important is that you know, you're actually tying the chain security to the bridge itself. And on top of that, you know, the same case go for all the IBC-compatible channels is that it's being utilized by you know, many, many layer ones, including you know, Cosmos, Osmosis, and so forth. And it's been a really, really tested standard that's, you know, again, backed by the validators of uh, Injective. And so how does the INJ token play a role in the ecosystem? I think it's you know, similar to any type of layer one. It's uh, the one that secures the overall network. And on top of that, serve as you know, very, very important functions in all different parts of the blockchain. So first of all, you know, like there are a component where basically users of the exchange module can receive fee discount for staking the native token. And on top of that, you know, there's an auction and burn mechanism, and there's also a native gas that people have to use to pay for transactions uh, for any type of non-exchange related transactions. And on top of that, all the applications and all the market creation process also involves the native token utilization. Got it. Is there any incentives directly to the existing token holders? Yeah, uh, I mean, like obviously, you know, by being a delegator and delegating to the trusted validator or validator that you support, you can earn 12% or so APY and rewards net of the commission fee and generally ranges from 1% to you know 10%. And on top of that, by being an active participant within the exchange platform and also by being an active participant with the relayer, there are also different types of targeted incentive for people to, you know, potentially receive a native token or receive some other type of rewards as well. And one of the most interesting one at the moment would be, you know, the DMM program, which means that if you're a top 10 contributor of liquidity on a platform, you get to be rewarded with a pretty sizable uh, protocol incentive. And, you know, just by being an active individual user, there's also an incentive scheme that's fully on-chain that comes with it. So how do you handle uh, like downward pressure, sale pressure on the token in the ecosystem? So I think that's generally has to do with, I would say, the staking aspect of it and also the auction and burn mechanism of it. That really kind of uh, uh, making sure that value is a parity and focus more on, you know, the decentralization of the ecosystem. And so when you say um, the burn auction, can you go into details what that means? Yeah. So for all the fees that goes through the exchange module and you know down the row, any type of application built on top of an injective, there's always going to be accrual and uh, some sort of fees and so forth. And it'll be all contributed into an auction pool. And this undergoes a weekly auction where whether that be you know USDC, USDT, UST, or Reef at the current moment, Basically, the highest bidder of the native token, which is INJ, gets a win over the value of that pool. And the INJ that was being used to bid in the auction will be burned as proceed. All right. And so let's look at, you know, moving on to Injective's future. I mean, how far out and how's it going so far after the mainnet launch? Yeah, certainly it has a lot of traction since then. Just to name a few, you know, there's been over, I think, 50 or 60 million transactions. We kind of stopped keeping track of it after a certain point. Um, 
basically on top of that, you know, 6 billion, if not 6.5 billion in volume process to date. And on top of that, a consistently growing like address count and active uh, uh, address count. Cool. And so what do you see as the next steps for Injective and how are you guys expanding and growing? I think the goal of an Injective Labs team is to make the right contribution to help the community fully utilize what's possible and what's uh, utilizable uh, on top of the Injective network. And one of which, and I, and I would say the most exciting part, is integrating the Cosmosm contract layer. And so that means that basically anyone can create a native smart contract that's uh, written in Rust that's Cosmosm compatible and really interact with the overall protocol at a very, very fast speed in a very, very efficient manner. And the possibility behind that is uh, limitless because that could enable smart orders. It can enable you know, an entire ecosystem for an on-chain market-making strategy, for example, that you know, most of these uh, billion-dollar prop shops and hedge funds use. Or it could be like a completely new uh, DeFi ecosystem because of the orbital infrastructure that wasn't possible or even thought of on the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem. Do you think the uh, Cosmos ecosystem is uh, underrated? I would certainly say so because it has a lot of projects and also a lot of you know, really, really strong ecosystem that are built on top of Cosmos, utilizing Cosmos, and uh, integrated with the Cosmos interchain ecosystem. But you know, people don't necessarily associate it with the overall Cosmos ecosystem. Terra is a great example. I think Crypto.com chain is also a great example. And on top of that, you know, like, there's a lot of uh, ecosystems that are originally built on top of Cosmos, like Binance Chain, like Polygon, and so forth. So it's really been kind of like this machine in the back end that's uh, silently uh, powering some of the you know, strongest uh, uh, layer ones in the space. That's what I'm saying. Most people don't realize that. And there's, there's not much talk around that. That's why I kind of was looking for your input there. What synergy do you expect with a star network investment? Yeah, um, I would say that just in general, like one of the most uh, interesting part of that is basically there's uh, an entire ecosystem on all the blockchains. And obviously, you know, there's other similar like multi-chain ecosystems like uh, Polkadot and so forth, where there's a you know, tremendous amount of hidden value and hidden utility that's uh, waiting to be unnerved and discovered. And I think, you know, Astar Network, you know, with their overall ecosystem and with their uh, existing, you know, really impressive set of uh, uh, development around, you know, bridging and connecting ecosystem certainly will help us uh, get through that step. What other things do you guys see? Any new product releases that you're going to be rolling out over the next year or two? Or how do you see yourself expanding? Yeah, I would say certainly one of the most exciting part is the Cosmosm uh, integration because it basically allows for uh, smart contracts and different types of very, very unique and very, very special utilization of you know, this overall data availability on top of the blockchain for order book and you know, this uh, smart order primitive to be heavily utilized and to be heavily explored upon by the overall community. And that's certainly you know, what folks over at the Injective Lab has been spending a lot of time working on. I would say on top of that, certainly, you know, like a lot of additional features, we're also helping with a few folks on building up uh, the utilization of the off-sea module, which can in turn become almost like a centralized exchange API access layer where people can have different permissions. And as a matter of fact, you know, kind of like a guild system where people can share access and there could be a manager to kind of make transactions on people's behalf. So it's really about, you know, uh, exploring and helping the community understand, you know, the possibilities of uh, the network. 
Just kind of bringing in and allowing some certain permissions? Correct. Um, it's actually a little bit uh, more interesting than that because essentially it allows people to execute messages you know, within a certain condition or bound on a very, very broad multitude of that. So it's far beyond, you know, Ethereum's ERC-20 approval process, but rather, you know, making a certain deposit transaction, making a certain delegation transaction, or making, you know, certain trading messages and creating limit orders or batch update orders. So the, the possibilities really be uh, uh, limitless on that front because it essentially allows you to have gated permission where you can grant permission to some, uh, on some messages to people without worrying about your funds being stolen. And how do you have, uh, you know, what are your plans for just getting global adoption? At the end of the day, everyone needs more users in order for the network to expand, right? Yeah, it's really about like individual or uh, Asian-based incentivization. So far, there are a lot of you know, ecosystem projects and also, you know, active community members that have found really strong product market fit, that have really found their specialty um, utilizing, you know, injected network and the features along with it and really empowering them, helping them to grow over time and really expanding the possibility to their own, you know, geographical segment. A great example would be, you know, like a Mars X platform because back in the day, you know, like the Asia user base was not really covered by the overall, you know, like uh, uh, injective uh, community members. And MarsX kind of built this uh, Chinese and also Taiwanese, well, traditional Chinese interface and also, you know, really managed a really active community uh, around that, kind of kind of onboarded this uh, kind of hidden segment almost where, you know, it's not necessarily on top of uh, all the community members' mind to bring on more and more adoption. And MarsX is uh, incentivized and rewarded as a result of, uh, you know, these users with the incentive mechanism that's built innately with, uh, within the protocol itself. Got it. And, you know, what are you seeing as maybe some of the current, you know, weaknesses now in DeFi? I would certainly say, you know, number one is that the security aspect of it. You know, a lot of general users in the broader population are always scared away by, you know, the headlines for, you know, major hacks and major losses for bridges and, you know, DeFi pools and flash flood attacks and so forth. And one thing that they kind of failed to notice is that the magnitude of these hacks might seem very, very large on a notional basis, but in reality, it takes up a very, very small percentage of the overall DeFi ecosystem. So on like a probability basis, if you, you know, deposit $100 into, you know, like any uh, DeFi protocol or, uh, you know, as a general user, there's only, you know, less than 1% chance um, as a matter of fact, probably closer to 0.1 or 0.05% chance of actually being on a contract that will be exp- uh, exploited in the uh, distant future. And on top of that, you know, like general security practices and the limitations of uh, EVM certainly created this entire ecosystem or this wide array of benefits and also exploits that doesn't necessarily have to be uh, the standard. But it's kind of the same case with traditional finance where like there's always pros and cons for every type of infrastructure. You're saying listeners and users should have been taken by just the little bit of noise they're hearing on Twitter, meaning that the uh, probability of a hack or something going on is very minimal. Yeah, that is correct. If you uh, diversify your DeFi portfolio or, you know, like your uh, uh, stakes and your allocation, that will definitely further reduce your chance of uh, being exploited. So, you know, if users want to test out using the interface, I mean, what are the things that they could go and do right now and how would they do that? Yeah, I would say, you know, like the first ground for people to check it out, you know, like learn more about the chain would be Injected.com. And, you know, in terms of some like more application level 
there's always you know a, a wide range of exchange applications that are currently already live on top of Injective. I think you know the one developed by Injective Labs is called Injective.exchange, and that's kind of like a standard you know like unopinionated showcase of the features of the exchange module, and the users can almost enjoy the experience like they were on a centralized platform without even realizing that every single part of the interaction and every single transaction is fully decentralized. That's awesome. I mean, what other things that, you know, maybe we didn't cover that you would like to break down for the listeners here today? Yeah, I think, you know, like generally decentralized finance is kind of like the most dominant application or use case, whether that be within the spotlight or kind of behind the spotlight working in the background. And I think that's going to be one of the most, you know, important and most major showcase in the future for uh, the space in general to really prove that it can like disrupt the entire financial system. And do you think regulations will have a big impact on how people are going to need to build and put certain governance on these protocols? Yeah, I, I would say that like generally for regulation, it's really about you know following new technology, unlike you know what most people assume, which is regulation determines where the technology goes. So I'm personally not too concerned about regulation, you know, creating an extremely strong strangle over the innovation that's going on within the space. I'm actually uh, very optimistic about it because folks in the labs team and, you know, a lot of uh, ecosystem members are all, you know, working very actively with, uh, you know, regulators and uh, all over the world, uh, essentially, and trying to come up with the best model, you know, and create this like proactive and collaborative environment for positive development going forward. It's awesome. Well, let's leave off there for today. And for everybody who would like to either maybe follow you on Twitter or learn more about your website, break that, that information down again for us, please. Yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter is Eric Injective. And um, the official Twitter for Injective Labs is, well, at Injective Labs. That's easy. <laughs> I appreciate uh, sharing that with us today, Eric, and having you on. Great. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. The Joe Robert Show. 